Hey, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17 this morning. Luke 17. We are wrapping up our series, The Gates of Hell Will Not Prevail. Come on, y'all. It is week nine. Like, when we started this series, that means it would have been, what, September, August? I don't know. That feels like forever ago. Uh, I'm excited. We've got, next week, we have three weeks until Christmas, and so we're going to do a a mini-series on Christmas. And uh, just get ready, because next Sunday, when y'all show up to this place, it's going to look magical. I'm just going to say that, all right? We're going to decorate. I was trying to appease the Christmas fanatics like myself, but also make the Grinches happy in the room because I know it's Thanksgiving weekend, so we can't have the Christmas tree up yet. Come on. How many of y'all have your tree up? Come on. All right. We got a lot of saved people today. Praise the Lord. Uh, We have been on a journey. We talked week one about seeing walls fall. We went into killing spiders. We talked all about being an obedient house. We talked about testing God, right? We're in the middle of that 310 giving challenge where we are testing God with our finances. Then we unpacked the spiritual gifts. We talked about the power of standing firm. Pastor Scott preached on unity. Like, I'm still going through those notes. That message was amazing. And then last week, we talked about the warship of our worship and how our worship actually wages war in the supernatural. Today, if you're taking notes, I've titled my message, A Powerful Church Will Give Thanks. I want to unpack for us the power of a grateful heart. You know, we just celebrated Thanksgiving and some of y'all were like, it was amazing. I love my family. And others were like, I had to see my family. Uh, But it's, it's a holiday where we, we tend to go, man, I'm thankful for all of these things. I have a lot of appreciation. We, we start to reflect on all the things that God's blessed us with or that we have in our lives. And as I was praying and thinking about how do I end this series, it was kind of obvious. Well, we need to talk about how Thanksgiving and having a grateful heart should not just take place once a year around Thanksgiving and the holidays, but as followers of Jesus, how this should actually be the posture of our heart every single day. What it means to truly have a grateful heart. We're in Luke chapter 17. I want to read about a moment that Jesus shared with some men who had leprosy. We're going to start in verse 11. The word of God says this. Now on his way, Jesus, to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were healed. Verse 15, one of them. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten healed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. 
Man, I love this passage. Before I I really dive into what I want to cover today, I want to take a moment and point out something that I hope will be an encouragement for at least one of you today. Jesus, if we take note, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's on a mission. He's got his plan. He's got his agenda. And yet, as he is passing through, ten men come up to him shouting, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Here's what I want to tell you, church, that when you cry out to Jesus, he will stop to hear what you have to say. No matter what he's doing. Some of us think, well, God doesn't hear me. God doesn't care about my cries. I've actually heard people preach this, and I've probably preached this. Prayer doesn't change God. It changes me. Well, when I read this, I had a revelation. While my prayers might not change God, can I tell you what they do? They get his attention. And and when we go to him in desperation, we will actually receive his attention. And, And he was on a mission. He had a plan. And yet when 10 men came running to him and crying out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us, he stopped what he was doing and he gave them the attention they needed. And I just want to encourage somebody today. God sees you and he hears every single prayer that you're praying right now. Because sometimes we can get discouraged. Sometimes we can believe that God's just passing us over because there's worse things going on in the world. I don't care how small the issue you think you have is when you take it to the Lord in prayer, you are getting his attention. What, what do we have to do to have a grateful heart? Well, I've got three things. The first is this. We simply just have to do what Jesus said. I don't have the Greek. I don't have the Hebrew. I'm not speaking in tongues, y'all. This is as simple as simple can get. I I love this phrase, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Because sometimes we overcomplicate things. What do you mean we just do what Jesus said? Well, look at the scripture again. The ten lepers come to Jesus crying out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And look at verse 14. When he saw them, he said, you're healed, so now go show yourselves to the priests. The one person that actually has their Bible knows that's not true, right? What did he say? He said, go show yourselves to the priests. It doesn't say he healed them. And then he told them to go. It doesn't say they received what they actually came to him asking for. No, he told them, go. Nothing changes yet. And they still moved. And the Bible actually says, as they went, they were healed. Come on, y'all. I'm preaching better than some of y'all are even responding. Here, let me do this. Maybe now y'all can read those Bibles. I forgot to do that. As they went, it doesn't say they were healed. Did you know that when you had leprosy, you were not allowed into certain places at time in this culture? They would have had a special room at the temple if that temple even allowed lepers to be there for worship. And they were not to get in the same vicinity as a priest. Yet here Jesus is telling 10 lepers, hey, go show yourselves to the priests. Go make yourself known. They weren't even healed yet. And he was giving them the command to go. 
Here's what I want to remind somebody today. You may not see your healing yet, but you just need to do what Jesus said. You may not see your miracle in motion yet, but you need to do what Jesus says. They still may have hurt you. That pain may still be real, but you need to do what Jesus said. Your situation hasn't changed yet, but you need to do what Jesus said. I wonder, church, how many of us are waiting on God to do something, but he's simply just waiting for his church to go do what he's already said. How, how many of us are saying, God, I need you to do this. And he's saying, how about you just love your neighbor? How about you just tithe? How about you just forgive as I've already forgiven you? I don't know when we made church so complicated, but we need to get back to the basics. How about you just start by reading your Bible? Hmm. How about you just start by giving me a little bit of time and prayer every day? We need to do what Jesus said. Can I tell you what true faith looks like? It's doing what you've been called to do, even when it's from the weakness of your flesh. What, what do I mean? Well, it's praising God even when your life sucks. It's forgiving them even though the pain they caused you is real. It's tithing even when you don't see abundance in the accounts. It's showing up to church even if you may have got a little too tipsy on Saturday night. It's praying and repenting even though you might still be in the middle of that addiction. When you do what you've been called to do even in the weakness of your flesh... That's what true faith is. I, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. But I'm going to just do what Jesus said. And that's why I think the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. It's like he knew, church, that we would get bored doing good. It's like he knew that we would get bored just doing what Jesus says. So he reminds us, he encourages us, don't get weary in doing good. Why? For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We live in a culture right now that is so distracting by the next and the new. But I wonder how many of us need to go back to what Jesus already said to do. Like some of y'all be praying, God, I need a new word. And he's like, I'm still waiting for you to obey the last word I gave you. Like we need to just do what Jesus said. Here's what I found about a lot of followers of Jesus. We're paralyzed by what we want to do, yet we don't do what we know to do. We're, we're paralyzed by what we want to do. We've got dreams and we've got ambitions and we've got goals that God's laid in our heart. And we've got God dreams in our heart to go do these amazing, wonderful things. Yet we don't do the simple things that we know to do. Read our Bible. Pray. Spend time in his presence. Worship him. If we are going to be a powerful church, we've got to do what Jesus Said The second thing we have to do is we have to choose gratitude. You've got to choose gratitude. What is gratitude? Well, I'm so glad you asked and I'm so glad Google has the answers. Gratitude. 
the quality of being thankful, the readiness to show appreciation for, and to return kindness. You see, we've got to choose gratitude. We have to take this posture of thankfulness. In Psalm 100, the psalmist would write, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Here's the verse I want us to focus on. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his loving devotion endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. I, I had somebody tell me today when they walked in the door. Well, we didn't really clean up before we came to church. I hope you don't mind. We were feeding the cattle or taking care of the cats or doing this, that, or the other. Can I tell you, there's one command that God gives us when we enter his house, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the clothes that you wear. Enter in with thanksgiving. Enter in with praise. Here's what I want to tell the church. Just because you came to church today or just because you have in church at home today does not mean that you've made it into God's house. I thought this building was God's house. Hmm. Let me put it this way. You've got 10 lepers, right? So let's do some Bible math. One leper returns to give thanks. So let's say we got 100 people in the room today. What does that tell me? 10 people in the room today actually showed up to God's house. Because they entered in with thanksgiving and praise. You, you can actually show up to church with, with a grumbling heart. Man, I can't believe I'm here. It's just the snow, man. I just... Are you entering into God's house? No, because he gave you the command. Enter in with thanksgiving and praise. Here's how I know this to be true. Because you can have two people who sat during the exact same church service. They were here for the same service. They, they tuned into the same worship. They worshiped to the same songs. They heard the same message. And you know what happens? Those two people get together for lunch after this at Applebee's. And they're talking about church. And one of them looks across the table and says, man, God was moving today. My life's been radically changed. The pastor was on fire. The worship was anointed. Man, I felt the presence of God move in church today. And then the other person can have the, they, the exact same service. The other person can look across the table and say, you sure, man? I thought the music was too loud. I didn't know the songs. They weren't hymns. And, and I don't know about that preacher, man. He's young and he wears weird clothes. And like, I'm more for like the preaching style where you read one verse and you break. And I want the Bible study, not the, I, I didn't get it, man. I, I felt like I missed it. One of them showed up to God's house with thanksgiving and praise and the other one didn't. You, you can show up to church and still miss God's presence. How are you showing up? Are, are you showing up expectant? Are, are you showing up with a joyful 
heart. Here's what happens when we choose gratitude. It allows us to truly experience all God has for us. And with that comes breaking entitlement. Y'all know that spirit is rampant in these small towns. Do y'all know that? My granddad is so-and-so. My great-granddad is so-and-so. My grandma's this. Like, I'm going to be honest, y'all. Some people around here get hired simply because of their family name, not their resume. But you know what gratitude does? It breaks that chain. It breaks that spirit of entitlement because when you live with a grateful heart, you don't just live thanking God for what he's done, but you're actually reminding yourself that everything you have has come from God and is not your own. Look at David's prayer in 1 Chronicles 29. Now our God, we give you thanks. We praise your glorious name. But who am I? Who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Listen to this. Everything God comes from you. And we have given only what comes from your hand. Can I tell you something? That's why I have no interest in the people that want to give big gifts to the church and then tell the church how to use it. Because you're not giving what was yours anyways. You're simply returning to God what was already his to begin with. And when we live with a grateful heart, we can live with that posture to go, oh, this isn't even mine, so it's not going to bear me down. It's not going to create a weight if I decide to give it away and go be a blessing to somebody else. It actually frees us up, church, to go be a blessing to a world that needs a little bit of joy, hope, and love in their life right now. Gratitude breaks that chain. It sets us up to encounter his presence. And the last thing we've got to do, church, if we're going to be a powerful church, is the title of my message, we've got to give thanks. We, we've got to just get thankful. And, and you have to understand this is a choice. Like, I don't know if you've ever gifted somebody something and they showed no appreciation or thankfulness for what they just received. It's awkward, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, okay, glad I gave it to you. I could have given it to them. Like, we've got to understand that this is a choice to live grateful, to live thankful. The Apostle Paul tells us, give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for your life. I love how he says, give thanks in all circumstances. He doesn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. And then in Philippians 4, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. We, we've got to give thanks. And hang on now, because like this is the Apostle Paul. His life was perfect. He had it all together. So it was really easy for him to tell us today, to tell us persecuted American Christians today, how we're to rejoice and how we're to give God thanks. Oh, wait, hang on. He wrote that from prison. Anyone got an ankle monitor? No, don't raise your hand. 
like none of y'all are in prison. Yet he was able from the prison cell that would be the last place he lived before they took his life. He was reminding the church the power of a grateful heart. Like think about that for a moment. He knows his end is coming. Who knows how much food he's gotten to eat. And yet he still has the power full of the Holy Spirit to encourage the church. Rejoice. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. We've got to understand that we are called to give thanks in every circumstance. I know it's easy to give thanks when we're on the mountaintop. I know it's easy to give thanks when we get the job or we find the one or, or we have a good day. But can I tell you something, church? We also need to remember to give thanks even on the bad days, even when the outcome isn't what we wanted, even when the situation hasn't changed yet. What is the opposite of giving thanks? Complaining. And, and so I, I did some research. We're, we're going to step away from the Bible for a minute. That sounds really bad. Uh, but I did some research. I, I want to bring your attention to something because I found this so amazing, really. Because if the opposite of giving thanks is complaining, I, I wanted to see what happens for the person who spends their life complaining more than they do giving thanks. And, and so I found some results from some studies that were published. Now, hear me out. This is not like Christian Now Media or something. These are from UCLA, Harvard, and Stanford. Probably the most secular universities that you can find in our country that reject the Spirit of God and almost every single thing they teach. Yet they even have come to the conclusion that complaining actually does more damage to the soul and the body than living with a grateful heart. And so I want us to see the science here. These aren't spiritual or emotional results. These are physical, biological results from tests done. Listen to this. These are quotes from the, the results of the study. Repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. Over time, you actually find it easier to be more negative than positive regardless of the circumstances around you. Complaining becomes your default behavior, which changes how people perceive you. The authority within is stronger than the circumstance that surrounds. Like, these people, I, I don't know, they probably don't know Jesus, and yet they still understand that there's an authority that we all carry inside of us that can become stronger than the circumstances that surround. And can I tell you something, church? When you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, just think about how much more that concept is true. That what's inside of you is stronger than what surrounds you. And that's why as a follower of Jesus, you can be facing hell or high water and you can still say, I praise the God who is and is and is to come come on somebody like that's the power of a grateful heart listen to this as we keep reading I, I love the way they say this and here's the kicker complaining actually damages areas of your brain as well 
Research from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus, an area of the brain that's critical to problem solving and intelligent thought. Like, how many of y'all have ever met the complainers that just say stupid stuff? Here's why. They've damaged their hippocampus. Keep, keep reading. Damage to the hippocampus is scary, especially when you consider that it's one of the primary brain areas first destroyed by Alzheimer's. Complaining actually damages more than your soul. It damages your brain. This is why we've got to live with a grateful heart. Keep reading. Man, this part just blew me away. A half an hour of complaining every day physically damages your brain permanently, according to research from Stanford University. Here's what I want you to see. This is, this is my kicker. Whether you're the one complaining or you're the one listening, exposure to negativity peels back neurons from your hippocampus. Over time, complaining becomes habit. Y'all, this is Stanford saying this. If you're surrounded by complainers, then you're more likely to become one. And that's why in this house and with our youth and with our kids, I will always preach, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It doesn't just say if you're the one complaining. But if you're also listening to the gossip and the complaining, research says it, you're getting dumber. So what are you listening to? If you're turning on the news and listening to them to complain about all the problems in our government and all the problems around the world, you're getting dumber. That's the power of a grateful heart. We don't have to live in a place of complaining, but when we live grateful and thankful, it doesn't just help your soul. It doesn't just allow you to look a little bit more like Jesus. It actually gives you a healthier brain to function. And y'all, I'm just being honest. A lot of people have said, man, these generations keep getting dumber and dumber. Just listen to them. They complain about everything. Where did our gratefulness go? Where did the spirit of gratitude go? Where did being thankful for what we've been given go? Luke 17, verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. I, I preached last week on noise. I don't want to get too caught up in this, but I, I, was, I was blessed, and my wife and I got to go to the Chiefs game last Monday night in Arrowhead. I'll tell you, it was an awful experience because it was cold and rainy, but it was a great experience because I've never experienced Arrowhead before. But can I tell you something that blew my mind? I, I should have put the video up. Is when they started the, the tomahawk, like, tomahawk chalk, whatever it is, that place, like I couldn't hear Brecken if she was talking to me. It was so loud. 
for 24 men on a football field with a leather ball. And yet I can walk in churches across this community and region where if I walk in the door, everyone's going to look to the back of the room just because the door squeaking is louder than the noise happening in the room. And I thought that we should be churches full of grateful, thankful people. And what does it say the leper did? He came back in a loud voice, giving Jesus thanks. I don't do this a lot, but I want to take just maybe 15, 20 seconds. Can we just make a little bit of noise for what God's done in our life, church? Come on, take a praise break. Say hallelujah. Come on, you got more than that. How many of y'all have been saved? How many of y'all been healed? How many of y'all been delivered? Come on, somebody. It says he came back with a loud voice, throwing himself down at Jesus' feet, thanking him over and over and over. Here's how. The power of the grateful heart can change your life because Jesus says to this one leper, and you'll miss it if you don't catch it, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Other translations would read as this, rise and go. Your faith has made you whole. You notice how he said the word faith. Because giving thanks is a step of faith. To go, God, I don't understand right now, but I'm still going to give you thanks. God, I'm really mad right now, but I'm still going to give you thanks. God, I'm really disappointed right now, but I'm still going to give you thanks. Your faith has made you... Well, here's what's so interesting about leprosy. Leprosy in biblical times could be boiled down to a few different skin conditions. And typically, it, it would be exposed on the outside because the skin would actually like deteriorate. And so these people would have like open wounds all over their bodies and then they would scab over and if you've ever had a scab you do the human thing to do with a scab and you pick at it and then you expose it again and then it's all bloody and gross again and i find it so interesting that when the 10 lepers left they were healed yet when the one came back to jesus he said your faith has made you whole what does that tell me, church? The one leper who gave thanks received more than the other nine. Like, we can miss that. But yes, they were healed. But this one leper experienced wholeness. Can I tell you another word for wholeness? If you translate it all the way back to the original Greek, is restored. And so when I read this, I picture those nine lepers walking up to the priests. They are healed, but they still have scars. And I believe when Jesus told this one leper, you are healed, you are whole, you are saved, you are restored, that this one was able to walk around with no scars of the past. And it began to remind me of three young men who went into a fire 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when they came out of the fire, the Bible said there was not even a burn on their clothes or their body. There was not even evidence of the storm that they'd been through because they gave thanks to God through it all. And I wonder how many of us, if we give God thanks, we won't just experience the healing, but it will experience the wholeness that God actually has in store for your life. Like, have y'all ever heard a testimony before where somebody's like, I was a drunk, I was a pothead, I was snorting coke every weekend, I ended up hospitalized because I tried to kill myself, and now they're walking around all happy, full of joy, and you're like, there's no way you were like that. Can I tell you something? They didn't just experience healing, they didn't just experience salvation, they experienced the wholeness and the restoration that can only come from Jesus when you give him thanks here's what i want the church to see as we close if you hear nothing else today hear this write it down take a picture i don't care don't forget it thankfulness unlocks the door to wholeness in the kingdom of god thankfulness unlocks the door to wholeness in the kingdom of god Jesus wants to heal you, yes, but he doesn't just want to heal you. He wants to make you whole. Thankfulness is what unlocks the door to wholeness in the kingdom of God. As we close this morning, what I want to do is I want to pray. And I want to give us all a chance to run back to Jesus today and thank him for everything he's done. But I don't want to miss it because there may be someone in the room, maybe somebody joining us online that has not yet submitted their life to Jesus. And it might be because you're like, well, my life sucks. If God was really real, then these things wouldn't happen. Can I tell you something? My story sounded a whole lot like that about six years ago. But then I realized that we live in a fallen world and bad circumstances don't mean a bad God. But there was not a moment in my life where the presence of God was not by my side. And all it took was me to turn to him and say, God, I repent of my sin. I need you in my life. And he received me with open arms and he can do the same for you today. The greatest thing that you can experience in your life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a lot of great things this world has to offer, but none of them compare to relationship with him. And so I want to pray today that there might be people who call out to Jesus for the very first time. But church, I also want to pray if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're saved by his grace, if you're walking every single day, being renewed every single day to be more like Jesus, don't miss the opportunity to run back to him and give him thanks for everything he's done. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you hear every cry of every broken heart. And even the leper was not too sick to be healed and touched by you, Father. And God, that tells me that every single person listening under the sound of my voice today in this room or online, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been said to you or done to you, no matter how far you think you've ran from God, you are not too far from his grace and he's ready to receive you with open arms today. For the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and he was raised on the third day, you shall be saved. That means saved into a relationship with him. And I'm telling you, the door is wide open. He's just asking you to walk through it. 
It takes a prayer of repentance to recognize that there's sin in your life, to ask for his forgiveness, a prayer of surrender, to surrender your life to him, and a prayer of submission to submit your life and your will to the will of the one who created you. And I'm telling you, that prayer is the best prayer you will ever pray. And so if you're in this room or online today and you want to submit your life to Jesus, I want to ask you to pray, Father, I repent of my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I surrender my life to you. I submit my will to you. Father, I declare today that you are Lord of my life for all of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. And Father, as we continue to pray today, God, we come to you with a grateful and thankful heart. God, we thank you for salvation. Jesus, we thank you that you took nails in your hands and nails in your feet just to show your love for us and give us an opportunity to have relationship with you. Father, we thank you that you saw it fit to be born of a virgin in a stable, God, to come as a human, to step into our flesh and to experience this life so you could truly tell us that you know what it feels like to be where we are right now. And God, we thank you for just the unending overflow of your grace and mercy upon every heart in this room. God, we thank you for abundance, Jesus. God, we thank you for opportunity, God. Lord, we thank you for provision and for vision, God. As we seek to be led by you, Jesus, we thank you for just you. Everything that you are, everything that you've done, and everything that we, you will do in our lives. God, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you today. Father, thank you for your word that is still alive and active today sharper than any double-edged sword that cuts through, God. Lord, we thank you that you've given us a letter of love, that we have a source to cling to called truth, even when this world is so lost and deceitful. God, we honor you today in this house. We praise your name. It's in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, all the church said. Amen. Come on, church. Can we give Jesus a little bit more praise? Come on.